Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Welcome, everyone, to Project Management Office Hours, broadcasting to you live today from the new Phoenix Business Radio X studio in Tempe, Arizona. I'm your host, Joe Puzz, PMO Joe. And for the next hour, we'll be talking project management with our special guests we have with us today in studio. Also want to thank Max 6 for hosting us here. Uh, it's such a good honor to have them with us. So appreciate that. And also want to thank our show sponsors, Talaya. Talaya is a European-based company with eight years of experience with customers across Europe, Asia, Latin America. And they are expanding their business into the U.S. market. They're sponsoring our show, and we will actually have someone on from Talaya next show on July 19th. So we're looking forward to that. Talaya has an open PPM project portfolio management solution, and you can visit their website, www.talaya-openppm.com, and sign up for a free 30-day trial. Also want to thank the PMO Squad, where project management with a purpose is our number one focus, and we specialize in all things project management. Now, before we get in with our guest today, I also wanted to acknowledge today is our 10th episode. So very excited to say that uh, we, I guess we've made it. I don't know what that means, but we're, we're not a one and done, and we're certainly uh, enjoying what we're doing. I think we're providing value to our listeners, and we're certainly spreading the message of project management. So it's been great. Thank you to all the guests we've had on, as well as for all the ones that we have planned in our upcoming episodes. Also want to mention last Friday, I happened to present was a speaker for the PMI Chandler breakfast meeting, and we talked about how to make a lasting impact with your organization through organizational project management, not just project execution. Often uh, the way I relate that to uh, folks is if you want to get hot water out of your faucet, you turn the hot water on. And that will run for 20, 15 minutes, however long it goes, but then you run out of hot water. Unless you fix your plumbing, you really can't get an endless amount of hot water. But project management's the same way. You can go into the project execution side, the project delivery side, and you can make that project go well. But that doesn't ensure the next project's going to go well. <clears throat> the way we, we try to fix that is we go after the organizational setup and make the improvements within the organization to give you a tankless hot water heater without your house. And that was a great opportunity to talk with Chandler PMI organization and uh, enjoyed that. And we're actually going to have one of the, the leaders of that group on as a guest also on July 19th. So our next show is going to be great. Enough about me and enough about what I've been up to lately. Let's get into it with our guest today. First, we've got Miguel Tapasco from Dignity Health and also Brian Rensing from Zane Tate. So thank you, Brian, and thank you, Miguel, for being on. Welcome. Well, thank, thank you. you. Mm -hmm. So let's talk some project management. Um, <clears throat> I think all of us here, which is great, have some background in healthcare and uh, with leadership positions in project management. Miguel, why don't you tell us a little bit about what you do at Dignity Health and share a little bit uh, with our listeners. 
All right. So I've been with the Dignity Health Organization since 2013, started there as a contractor, came on for a major revenue cycle uh, program that they had, managed that till the contract expiration in 2017. And then I transitioned on to a full-time role with them with a, um, they have a, a subset of a business units um, called Clinically Integrated Networks Arizona, and one of them is called the Arizona Care Network. So I'm currently a project manager with the Arizona Care Network, have been since January of this year. Um, as far as my healthcare background goes, I started in 99 pushing patients around. I would take them from one unit to the next and then transitioned into the emergency department there, worked admissions, inpatient, outpatient, never did any clinical type work, but I was always um, there on the floor within the hospital there at Tucson Medical Center in Tucson, Arizona. And then I kind of just uh, transitioned into the business side of things, uh, rev cycle and PM work and things like that. And I've really thoroughly enjoyed that. Still enjoy it today. That's great because when you then can bring to project management that hands-on experience that probably a lot of other project managers really can't bring. So that's fantastic. I've been fortunate. Yeah. Thank you. Brian, how about yourself? Let us uh, know a little bit about you and introduce yourself to the listeners. Yeah. So thanks, Joe. And great to meet you in person, uh, Miguel. And um, so, you know, my background, I've got a, a, a wide range of experience in uh, high tech, uh, CPG, retail, and probably the most exciting uh, role that, that I had was, was actually in healthcare. Um, working with a company that was owned by Procter and Gamble, and um, was a network of primary care physicians uh, doing concierge uh, medicine. So it was really interesting because you had aspects of B two B and B two C. You know, the customer experiences uh, was really really important, and there was a lot of uh, the product was fairly simple and straightforward to understand, but a lot of complexity in delivering that and a lot of the projects that we had, you know, dealt across uh, the, that spectrum of uh, relationships and engagement. So project management was really critical to sort of uh, uh, pull that all together. Absolutely. Well, thanks for being on. I also want to mention to our listeners, since we are coming to you live right now, if you have a question for Miguel, Brian, or myself, feel free to tweet that to us using hashtag PMO Joe. We're going to monitor Twitter. If you have a question for us, we'll get to that live on air. So here we go. Project management to me is, is not something that people go to college for necessarily, right? You don't get a degree in project management generally and walk into a, a role where you're going to run a million dollar project with no experience, right? You have to work your way up to that. Miguel, you shared with us a little bit about your journey through the healthcare organization, but how did you get really into project management. Why did you end up in that space? So in 2004, I got my undergraduate degree in information technology. So that really sparked my interest in IT work. And so with Revenue Cycle, there's in, in healthcare, there's a lot of IT components. And so um, I worked for the patient financial services department there in Tucson Medical Center. And so I really got you know, just saw a need for some real project management within the offices there and started um, working on projects just informally, you know, just myself and working through those things as well. At that time, Tucson Medical Center did not have a PMO. They did have project managers. It was a little bit of the Wild West, you know, but project managers did several different ways, different ways that they did things. And so um, I kind of developed my own style and managing some of the projects that I did down there. And then I actually, um, that sparked my interest in 
actually going and getting a degree in project management. So I did wind up doing that um, uh, later on. So in 2006, um, NAU had a great graduate program that focused in on, on, on project management. And so from there, I just really just sparked my interest and I kind of took off. And so I started working through that, started applying some of those principles at Tucson Medical Center. I eventually did wind up uh, getting my PMP in 2013. And then I, I moved uh, from there. I had some opportunities to actually branch out from away from healthcare, but I decided to stay in it. Dignity had a great opportunity here. And so just from there, uh, you know, and working when I was at Dignity Health IT, they actually have quite quite a mature PM uh, PMO there. They already had something established, but it was exciting to move into something into that role because they're they're a fairly large organization. So they had about they had over a hundred IT PMs working there in that office. Yeah, that's uh, right. so yeah, in addition to all the program managers and program directors and analysts and things like that. So we really was able to get that big project exposure, that big PMO exposure there. And um, just, but I still had an opportunity to help contribute to the PMO there. They gave me an opportunity to do that. They were migrating to a to a PPM, a project and portfolio management software called PlanView. And so I had an opportunity to get my hands around that and really work, become a SME there, help coach other project managers um, and things like that. Really got my hands around a lot of project management, fi- the finance component and the budget components of, of managing projects as well. Uh, which is super important. I think something that isn't paid too much attention to in the industry at this point. So um, just work there. And that's really helped me a lot transitioning to the Arizona Care Network as well. Um, there wasn't a PMO there when we started. Uh, there is a PMO now. And so we're building up and maturing those processes as we go along. That's great. And and I think also you now also provide some instruction in project management at some at local universities as well. So I do. Correct. I do. I, I have... I've had an opportunity to teach um, University of Phoenix um, healthcare project management and healthcare, and I'm actually onboarding with Indiana Wesleyan University right now to do uh, again some project management courses with them as well. So that's that's, that's the fun job. The it's, teaching part is the fun. Yeah. <laughs> and believe me, I know I'm running a radio show, right? I'm, <laughs> who, whoever thought that I would be doing that, but yeah. this is the fun part. Right. It's great. Right. And what it, the other part that makes it so much fun is I get to meet other leaders like yourself that aren't just practitioners, but they're out there helping to educate others to make our profession really stand out and be provide the value that it does to organizations. Correct. So thank you for that. Mm-hmm. And Brian, I, I don't think you have a traditional project management background, but obviously in leadership positions within organizations, you rely on project management. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey and how project management has played a role in that? Yeah, absolutely. I, I like the way Miguel described the evolution that he went through to, you know, basically, as my wife would say, uh, learn project management on the street. Uh, you know, uh, you sort of learn it uh, on the ground, trying to just get work done. And uh, you begin to learn that there's a lot more complexity to that because you have so many people and so many pieces involved. And, um you know, I'm kind of an accidental IT guy myself. You know, I, I there was a big ERP project uh, at a company that I was working with um, and, you know, got pulled into a lot of business process reengineering on that, which was really interesting. But you begin to see that, uh, you know, as much as you might want to work on, you know, that piece, the, the, the thing that you're focused on, 
without clear touch points to the other aspects of the project, uh, things can go sideways really quickly. And so I uh, began to see how a lot of that was actually going wrong. And, and I, I like to say in those days, uh, people were doing a lot of IT projects incorrectly uh, with, you know, you know, perhaps the biggest uh, aspect of that is they'd buy SAP and implement their old system, right? Mm-hmm. And so you'd have a lot of that. Plus, they didn't know how to uh, execute with discipline. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I ended up at uh, at uh, the Gillette company where I really learned uh, a lot about how to manage a project successfully and how to you know really do a work a work breakdown structure. Now, yeah. at that time. I would not have been able to call out what a work break- breakdown structure is. I just observed what good people were doing to mm-hmm. execute on these major, complex, global projects. And um, I was really fortunate to get involved uh, with that. And then I had some training that I had gone to, some PMI training, and uh, got to got to learn the PMBOK a little bit. Never did the, the Easy certification. Easy night reading that. Pump yeah, pump. exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I, I, maybe that was my problem. But <laughs> I think it's important to have done the work almost before doing the training. And why is that? Because it's so critical to see how things sort of come together uh, in an academic sense. If you start with the academics, it, uh, it's, it's almost confusing to, to yeah. sort of see wh- how it would work in real life. So that for me was a really critical thing to sort of see how all of these different uh, pieces, risk management, the financials, mm-hmm. the, you know, the work breakdown structure, communication management, all of these things are so critical in, in, in a single discipline. So, yeah, as I say, didn't get the certification, but that training sort of uh, carried me forward and helped me drive a lot of discipline and subsequent projects and subsequent work that we did. To me, at the end of the day, it's all about managing the commitment that you're going to make to the business and managing the way you execute against that commitment and perhaps negotiating. Uh, you know, when things do go wrong, you have to renegotiate uh certain aspects of the project and you have to be prepared to do that. So that's, that's kind of my experience with it. So, yeah, I think the, you know, and I stumbled into project management. I didn't, didn't even know project management was a career, but at the time I was leading projects and my boss said, Hey, do you want to go get certified in project management? I, I, what's that? So what you've been doing for the last year, I didn't even know it was that. And I'm, I'm with you, Brian. I think experiencing it before getting your degree in it or your your PMP certification, it lets you actually put to use the, the practical application of the skills as opposed to trying to learn them and figure out how to go do it. But there's that's the other beauty of project management, right? There is no one way to do it. it it's whatever works for you can help you get your career path started. So I think three different stories for three different individuals, and, and that wouldn't be unique if we went and talked to five others. I think that's actually a really interesting uh, point that you make that it's it's there's there is no one way and uh I think you see people sometimes come into organizations that like to say well there is one way and I'm kind of uh, curious I mean Miguel maybe from a consulting perspective uh, do you see going into different organizations uh it being done in a different way and certainly as you're building a new PMO you might build it in a way that is it fits within that culture. So, you know, who who is adaptable, you or uh, or the organization or both? 
Correct. So, so we had those challenges with the Arizona Care Network. You know, I came from, so working with Dini Health IT, they have a mature uh, PMO or what I would consider a mature PMO. And then going into, um, and, and just, just DHIT practices, heavy waterfall approach, not much agile there, not much, you know, they're moving into those realms, but really slow moving ships waterfall very traditional on all the five on the phases as we go through where and that's common in healthcare right yes a lot yes, of because of the nature of how we treat patients and the, and the impact on healthcare. and i'm discovering that so arizona care network completely different they um they benefit more from more an agile approach and we are using some scrum as well within within acn and it was a, a bit of a challenge because when i came in there i tried to implement a style of project management that was more conducive to the larger IT office with Dignity Health. And it wasn't as nimble and it didn't meet the needs what ACN really needed. And so, um, you know, as we're executing our vision there with the PMO at ACN, uh, we are incorporating a lots of um, heavy Lean Six Sigma practices as well as uh, uh, PMI practices and traditional practices. Um, but we're, we're first and foremost focusing on ensuring that it's effective for the organization, not the other way around as you're describing it, right? Not saying, well, we're going to make um, our business fit into the PMI way of doing things. No, it's the other way around. We're going to take PMI as a baseline. We're going to take some of these Lean Six Sigma strategies as a baseline, and we're going to see how we can use them to fit the needs of the organization. The culture is another huge topic. We can talk about culture for hours. Um, being able to adapt a culture in the environment for project management. So some challenges we ran into early on as we were setting up the PMO, some things we've been able to adapt to as we move forward. So um, it's interesting. Yeah, you're correct on that point. Yeah, we have uh, within the PMO squad, right, when we're helping organizations build a PMO, we follow our PMO process. And the first is, what's your purpose? Right, and too often we find out that the PMO leader has a vision of what they're going to do with their organization. But after a year or two, it's not gaining traction, right? They just Mm -hmm. can't figure out why it's not fitting into the organization. And when we go in and talk to the leaders of the organization, they have a completely different vision. Correct. Right. So for us, it's if you don't define a common purpose that everybody's on board with from a leader's perspective of the organization, as well as the PMO, you're, you're going to fail. Right. Then the M as you go measure, whatever our purpose is, how are we actually achieving that? And then again, from the O perspective is then you go optimize, right? Whatever you need to, to be able to deliver. So to hear you mention how, when you started, you had a way of going to do based on dignity ITs, Correct. PMO, you had a fit into your, so that's the perfect way to go about it, right? Make sure that your purpose aligns with exactly what your organization is trying to do. So it's great to hear that. Yeah. An, another challenge that we had as well, something that I'm understanding, especially with small organizations, is that you have to educate your stakeholders to really accept to be recipients of what the PMO can offer to the organization. Because if they're not ready to sit in project meetings and understand, help you develop a charter as a project manager, help you manage risks, etc., if they're not receptive or they're not educated on what these things are, they're simply not going to participate to the level that you as a project manager need them to. And so um, at ACM, we've been able to educate, you know, our stakeholders, educate the people that we're working with, help them understand. Um, it's almost like you're selling it. You're selling 
PM practices to them to help them understand the benefit, to help them understand the, and accomplish their goals. So, so some challenges there. I think any organization needs to understand is, um, you know, you need to have buy-in from your stakeholders in order to successfully execute a PMO. Yeah, and I know you also mentioned uh, agile versus right. waterfall, right? Within one organization, really, the fit is two different ways. And Brian, what are your thoughts, right? There's there's this constant yeah. struggle in the industry of agile versus waterfall. Yeah. I, I think right. that's misguided discussion, right, at this point. But I always like to get other people's perspective. So what are your thoughts on this almost religious methodology war <laughs> that's going on out there? Yeah, it is a bit of a religious war. And, I, you know, my sense is when it is a religious war in an organization, it, uh, it reflects more than anything a lack of understanding of either discipline, uh, either approach, either methodology. And, um, <clears throat> and particularly a lack of understanding of the uh, agile methodology. Um, you know, I, I, and I, I like your uh, reformulation of the acronym uh, PMO, Purpose, Measure, and Optimize, because really... I think about it uh, in terms of the long game. And as you're building the uh, PMO, you want to think about, yes, the purpose of a specific project, right? And, the, the, you know, and measure your um, progress and delivery uh, of that project. But I think uh, the power is really found ultimately in optimizing. And that optimizing is about, well, what did we learn from the execution of, you know, project X as we implement project Y? And how are we improving our ability to forecast what it's going to take to do that? And I think understanding the methodologies that you could be using in those different contexts, which methodology is is more successful for which kind of, of project. I tend to look at it fairly simply, and that is you have a lot of projects that are fairly well-defined and understood what they are. It might be an infrastructure project or it might be a, um, maybe it's an ERP implementation. You know, there's not a lot of um, magic to it. You know really kind of what it is that you're, you, you've got to do. It doesn't take away any of the complexity of it, but it's fairly well-defined what you need to do. Waterfall may be entirely appropriate for that in order to manage the, the delivery against a specified timeline. If, however, you have something where, you know, we're going to go to market with an idea, I don't know quite what it is, and I don't know quite, I mean, I've got some general notions of what I think that's going to be, but I need to be able to, you know, learn quickly, and I be need to be able to deliver value quickly, change course as needed. I mean, it's a perfectly perfect scenario for, for Agile, right, where you can sort of work on... Um, delivering that value as quickly as possible and then uh, changing course as needed. So, um, so I think that's a, it's important to understand the different context. But I think also the organization and, and how well it really understands the core purpose of any of this anyway, you know, like I say, is, is ultimately managing your commitment and, uh, and managing your success, right? That really is at, at the bottom what I need to understand regardless of methodology. And I have to have some core muscle memory to do that. Once I have that, then you start looking at optimizing, whether it's shifting to uh, lean Six Sigma approaches or it's getting better at forecasting what it's going to take to do this in a waterfall way. I think both can be successful. It just depends on what's the, what's the real context. 
I know some of the struggles that organizations run into, because I'm with you, I'm of the mindset, I'm a delivery expert. How I get that done doesn't matter. If I go into an organization that's agile, we'll do it agile. If your waterfall, we'll do it. I don't care, but we're going to deliver the results. But where organizations sometimes tie their own hands is we'll go out and buy PlanView. Mm-hmm. And you're going to make a large investment in a software application that maybe can only deliver one way. Yeah. Or if it can deliver to it, not, and I, this is not a knock on PlanView, we're, we support them uh, and their implementations. But if you make that investment, how do you then go change culture and change process and change the tool when you're into a long-term commitment? And Miguel, I don't know if you've encountered that in your experience as well. We did have some challenges with with PlanView, there were, uh, you know, PlanView was more, it wasn't so much it was affecting stakeholders, it was more affecting the project managers and the program managers. And there was some pushback. Um, uh, it was it was a difficult, talking about culture shift, it was a difficult shift for the project managers. They're the ones that struggled with it. I mean, I would consider that we had a successful implementation. I think that my ability to readily accept the software helped me put me in a position to be able to promote it and go out there and help educate other project managers and help them bring on, bring them on board with that. Uh, you know, it wasn't so much of a radical shift to what we had. We had prior uh, a Hewlett Packard PPM system that we were using. Um, so, uh, and, and PlanView was great with resource management, awesome with resource management, resource leveling, a little bit more tricky when it comes to schedule management. It's a little bit cumbersome on that end. Great product in some other areas as well. But to your uh, point, I would think it is a little more conducive to a waterfall approach. But that's what Dignity Health IT does. They yeah. do they do waterfall. And so with no no firm plans that I mean, I was just having a conversation with one of their PMO staff just last week where they're trying to incorporate some agile, but waterfall is the way for them. And so something like PlanView really does help. So that's the position that they're in there. What I hear in your question is a bit of a, almost a tools first approach to uh, to uh, addressing methodology challenges within an organization. And I have seen that fail time and again. And, now, like I, I, and, and, and honestly, a tools first approach with anything is really a mistake because you're trying to change something and think that you're going to drop this magic tool in that people are somehow going to uh, start to use. They don't understand the core discipline to begin with. Why, why is a tool going to make a difference? Mm-hmm. It isn't. And I think the, the point, again, Miguel, about um, tool X may be uh, mm-hmm. entirely or, or more supportive of waterfall, but if that's what the organization does, then maybe that's the right choice for them. But uh, sure. probably shouldn't bring in the agile tool and sort of expect that somehow some, something's going to change. It just won't. Right. It just won't. Right. Yeah, the the parallel I always draw with, and I'm a sports fan, right? So I'm a Pittsburgh Steeler fan. Go Steelers! And <laughs> they run a three-four defense. So they draft players that play in a three-four defense. But if they were to get a new head coach who wanted to switch to a four-three defense, they no longer have the players to fit into that methodology or that program, right? right. So as a former PMO director at Wellstar Health System in Atlanta, we had PlanView. And when we wanted to make an adjustment to a 4-3 defense, we couldn't because we were we had players, we had tools available to us that kept us in that. So I'm always an advocate of, as Brian mentioned, it's not tools first. You use your tools to support right. your processes. But sometimes 
leaders get caught up in a situation where they don't have, they inherited a tool, right? And how do you deal through that? How do you work through those situations where you, right? You inherit people, you inherit tools, you inherit process, budgets, et cetera, but you still need to go execute on your projects. Right. And I really feel like uh, just some culture is really a, a huge part of it. I really have learned that at ACN. You can't just drop in tools and methodologies. You have to educate your people. You have to have them on board with what you're doing. It has to be an organization-wide effort because, uh, you know, a lot of these stakeholders, they have day jobs, right? They have regular jobs. And so to them, sometimes project management is even a nuisance. It's like, oh, another project meeting, another thing I have to help you project manager do. And so uh, just culture is a huge, it could be a huge roadblock. It has to be something that's in place, a culture strategy to bring people on board. And and just with the discussion we're having, agile versus uh, waterfall. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm a traditionalist. I love the waterfall approach. I really am. And so, uh, you know, agile for me is kind of a, a bit of a, a, a cold water bath. You know, it's like, oh my gosh, you know, we're changing scope again. You know, it's it's like, where's the change request? There is no change request. We're just flowing with it. It's like, oh, you know, I can't. So, so I have to kind of, you know, step, take a step back and say, not that change requests are bad. I say change is great so long as it's managed. I don't have a problem with change. Let's just manage it properly. So, so agile. And then, you know, you throw scrum in there too, which is now we're talking two to four week sprints. And so, so it's, it's, um, it definitely, it's, it's a thing where, like we're talking about in this conversation with healthcare, especially bringing, bringing healthcare into an agile and a scrum approach is, is a, a process of evolution that's going to have to happen. Cause I'm looking at some of the under in industries and project management and other industries and they've readily adapted it. It's like, uh, they're looking for PMs that have agile and scrum, uh, you know, backgrounds and things of that nature. And in healthcare, that's most of the time it's not even mentioned. Well, and, and don't forget the hybrid approaches, right? So I've been on water scrum fall, agile. So I've heard, I've heard you say that. Right. So there it's, there isn't one way, I guess. Right. right. Cor- correct. And and yes, I, I think that it's good. To, you know, we're trying to also at ACN adapt hybrid approaches where we're doing some of these three to five year projects that we have, our contract based projects. Those are definitely waterfall, but we incorporate portions of agile and por- incorporate portions of scrum within those waterfall approaches because there may be situations where the project is not performing right. And so it needs a quality improvement component that's better handled via agile, but it's still a, the overall project is a waterfall project, but components of it can be better attacked, better strategized through an agile and scrum approach. Absolutely. I I think another important thing that often gets overlooked is project managers, and you alluded to this a little bit, Miguel, right? They're leading teams of resources who are not project managers. They have a day job, but they're working on a project. But I think the organization benefits when those resources understand project management. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brian, have you run into situations where maybe they haven't or, you know, yeah. what do you, how do you handle that? I remember one conversation I was having with, uh, with a team and we were talking through something that really needed to get done. I had asked the team to prepare a kind of timeline to help people better understand. I mean, really, the intent was a communication tool more than anything. But it was revealing the response that I got. The guy said, yeah, but I'm not a project manager. And I thought, 
my first thought was that's the wrong thing to tell to to say to me. <laughs> the, the second is, you know, I wanted to go through. Well, what do you do on the weekend? Because I'm pretty sure that you've got a to do list, and I'm pretty sure you've got uh, plans around how you're going to attack that to do list. And what you know, you don't need a PMP to do that. Right. And uh, so, uh, you know, my expectation of people coming into the uh, into a role is that they already have some baseline understanding of that. And, you know, there is no replacement for a, you know, highly trained PMP for a big, hairy project. No replacement. I mean, you, but really, like, in your day-to-day, in a lot of the projects that we have, and with resources being scarce, you're not always going to have a project manager assigned to your work. Therefore, it's up to you to figure that out. And, uh, and I don't expect that everybody has, uh, you know, understands, well, what risk management is, because frankly, we can have that conversation. I just want to see that somebody's willing to learn, open-minded about trying to understand that and, um, you know, and adapts to whatever it is that they're, you know, expected to deliver. So, you know, it's that goes back to the learning it on the street. It really is more about doing than it is about, you know, anything, right? And best way to learn is to do. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can always find great teachers and project managers that are good mentors along the way to help you through that and make those connections. And if somebody doesn't have that, well, I'll help make that connection. Right. I'll even make the argument, and I've kind of been brewing over this for a while, that... <laughs> you know, sometimes at times cannot be a good fit for an organization. You know, there are some organizations that are not ready for those types of structures. They need maybe project managers that aren't maybe as formally educated, maybe a little more that street knowledge you're talking about on the project management side that may be a little more flexible. You know, so I I enjoy PM theory. I love it. I uh, get in conversations with people and they give me blank stares and, you know, <laughs> I'm in good company here, but most people are like, I don't want to talk about this with you. And, and so, and so, you know, you go to these PMI chapter meetings, oh, it's, you know, it's awesome. It's excellent. But, but some organizations, um, just I've seen in my experience that sometimes it can be counterproductive. Yeah. So, so um, even as if you do have PMs that are, you know, PMI educated, PMP and, or Prince Two, or these others, formal methodologies. Um, they still need to keep an open mind. And like we're talking about, it's really all about getting stuff done. And so you need to fit, you know, the the methodology into what works for the organization. And that's just something I've had to learn. I've had to learn that, uh, you know, sometimes the sometimes the PMI way is not the best way for that for this specific instance. So I'm curious for for both of you, one strategy that I've used in the past is when I bring in contractors uh, to do project work, one expectation I have is, no, you're not just going to deliver this project, but you're going to teach us something about your approach to these things because I want to, I don't assume that our organization knows at all. And I'm always looking for those ways to optimize. So I guess maybe it's a two-part two part question. Do you see organizations doing that and open to that? And what have, what success have you seen in actually seeing companies start to adopt some of the practices that you have? Yeah, no, for us, actually, we're working with a client now where we're running a project or multiple projects for them, but we're also training their staff on project management principles. We're teaching you to fish model, right? We yeah. 
We are in there as a staffing agency, right? We're on project-based assignments. And our goal is to build a long-term relationship so that when we walk away, you're better off than when we walked in. And so I think that is very common. I think it's more uh, common, certainly, as project management has gained in its uh, exposure to the business world. Uh, but I think it's it's out there every single day. Yeah. Uh, and, and the value to that, of course, is that can be astronomical to a company. Yeah, absolutely. Right. In my experience, uh, you know, coming into ACN in January, uh, they didn't have anything. There was nothing there. And so I had the opportunity uh, with my colleagues and I to be able to build from from the ground up, which is a great privilege for me. I mean, there's not a lot of opportunities uh, Joe, I'm sure you have opportunity to do that uh, in your type of business, but not not me to be able to do something just like start a PMO. So, um, you know, we were able to educate the staff as we went along and say, you know, we're going to be using these tools. But again, it's all about, I keep coming back to that culture, being able to say, are, are, is the organization ready for this? Uh, you know, especially in starting a PMO. I mean, I've discovered some, especially small organizations, Sometimes a PMO is not the right tool for them. It doesn't mean they can't use project management, but they just don't need a project management office. And then sometimes, uh, you know, uh, in my opinion, a PMO, one of the biggest benefits of a PMO is to have standardization, right? Because I've worked in organizations too where there is no PMO, like I described the Wild West, and everybody's doing all kinds of things. I mean, I've had situations where, uh, you know, I'm working on a project and I say, hey, you know, we're going to develop a charter. And they say, well, when I'm working with PM, Joe over there, he doesn't make us do a charter. So we're going to go work with BM Joe because Joe doesn't make us do a charter and he doesn't care about risks and change requests. He doesn't make us fill those out. And here I am trying to put in, you know, trying to adapt away. So one of the big benefits of a PMO is to be able to say, we're all going to do this together. We're going to work and have a standard and a pattern of, of the way, of the way things happen. So, um, uh, but, uh, it's been, like I said, it's been an evolution there at ACN you know, the leadership is definitely strong executive support on project management. That's essential or else you're going to get no traction. You're going to get go nowhere. And um, to your point as well, I, I have, I've discovered that a lot of organizations now are looking for PMs that are not just going to execute projects. They're looking for real contributors, real contributors to, to standardization, to trying to help them grow their PMO. And so um, I think that's something that all PMs out there need to understand that our role is evolving to not just come in and, you know, the standard is, oh, you know, I deliver projects on time and under budget. You know, that's my success criteria. You know, whatever that is, it goes far beyond that now. That's yesterday's yeah. news. Yeah. yeah. Right. And I think that's a difference, too, between staffing agencies and consulting services. Right? Staffing agency can get you a project manager to execute a project on time and under budget but they're probably not going to come in and help you optimize your process and train your resources and make sure that you're doing something that fits your organization, right? They just haven't had those experiences. But in a project management consulting firm, our consultants come in and they are Mm multi-purpose, right? They understand the value of how to lead organizations. Many of them have actually run a PMO before. So it's not just about the execution of the project, but how within your culture can we make a lasting impact? So, Miguel, I think you're spot on with that. And I mean, Brian, great question. Obviously, a good discussion. Mm-hmm. Thanks for Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. We've talked a little bit about PMI indirectly. We haven't really talked about it directly so much. But, Miguel, what value do you see in the formal project management processes, right? I mean, PMI is a standard. 
You know, Correct. what's where's the value in trying to adhere to that as closely as possible? So I, I believe in standards. I really do within an organization. I've had to learn to also be flexible with those standards and fit those standards into whatever's good for that organization. But um, I, I'm a firm believer. I mean, I'll be honest. I'm a firm believer in the PMI way of doing things. I like it. You know, it's just the way I learned it from the beginning. Um, like I mentioned, I'm a traditionalist and that's what I like. So, so, um, but I'm, of course, I'm not opposed to, I mean, I, I, in the past, I would probably like get in an argument if somebody spoke an ill word against PMI, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> but, but now I'm like, okay, I realize it's not for everyone. Right. It's just a flavor of project management is what it is. But I, I, alluding to what I was talking about earlier with the standardization, even, even if PMI is not your flavor of doing things or whatever, however you're going to do it, I do think that standardizing project management within an organization is important because I, like I said, I've seen it where even if you have a small PMO staff, you have like five PMs on staff or whatever it is, if everyone's doing things differently, it's just it's just chaos. Not to say that you set it so rigid to where people don't have autonomy to to have their own project management style of doing things. Not that way because, you know, every everyone's different. We have different individuals, but we should have some sort of standards to where people are following certain things. So our stakeholders can expect a level of service from the PMO to say, okay, we're going to do some initiating now. We're going to identify some stakeholders. We're going to do a basic charter. You know, we're going to do a basic schedule. We're going to have a lessons learned uh, session after as part of closeout. You know, we're going to have some project archival. And so some of those things are just important. So to your question, Joe, um, yes, I believe in standardization. I think it's really important. And to tie that into a little bit what I talked about earlier, the plumbing, right? That's one of the plumbing components that I had talked about in the PMI chapter was if you're not consistent, how do your resources who aren't project managers, how do they expect to understand what's going to happen? The example I always use, I think I've used it on air in the past, is uh, processing invoices within an organization, right? No matter which department you're in, you don't pay the invoice. You take the invoice and you send it down to accounting. Accounts payable takes care of it and you process the invoice. You do Everybody in the organization does it that way. Everybody understands it and everybody does it well. But when it comes to a project, everybody thinks, well, I can run a project. And they do it 15 different ways. And now the organization loses that consistency and you don't get the same repeatable value out of it. Right. Yeah. Brian, I would, in your leadership roles you've had, right, what have you encountered there? I think, Miguel, you highlighted that uh, executive support is really critical, and it is. What you're going to have to do as you sell this kind of idea is, uh, you know, take away the mysticism around it. Take away the idea that this is just overhead. Because actually standardization, um, and I don't care how, how, uh, you know, formal that is, there are really some key steps that you need in the process to successfully execute a project and make that as lightweight as you need to. But it is, those are the guidelines for how it is that you're going to, uh, to deliver. Standardization is important, not for its own sake, uh, not for project management, because nobody really cares about project management from that perspective. It is about better managing the cost to execute and are you getting better 
at executing on projects? And are you delivering that value as quickly as possible and with the level of quality that's expected and with the scope that everybody's agreed on? That at the end of the day is what it's about. And standardization takes the guesswork out of elements of the project where you're not, you know, you don't have a team that is learning on game day how to do this. It's already been defined. It's been formalized somehow within the organization and you're going to follow those steps. I think where it goes wrong, though, is when you have uh, people who, you know, sometimes you have uh, very eager PMPs that come out and they have their certification and it becomes this rigid by the book kind of thing, which is going to turn the organization off because you have people who don't know uh, what that's all about. And, uh, you know, it just doesn't put that person in the best uh, uh, place for success. So there is really this give and take and really understanding in the organization, but understanding what does the organization expect in order to deliver a successful project and meet those expectations. And that has to be something that evolves over time, you know, not from on high necessarily, but it evolves based on a need to improve the way you execute. And how have we planned? How, how well did we actually execute on that? And because we missed on whatever dimension, what do we have to do to make sure we don't miss or we get better at uh, managing that particular aspect of the project in the future? Another thing, right, is we're talking about some of this is advanced concepts of project management, right? Organizational theory, project management theory, PMI, et cetera. But not everybody is there yet, right? right. Some right. people are on the, the junior level. And we know for, you know, we have an audience here in Phoenix. We know a, with Talaya, we've now an audience in Europe and Asia and Latin America mm-hmm. and others. What's the message that you have for aspiring project managers, right? Let's start at the, the beginning, right? As opposed to the, the sophisticated conversation we've been having. What message do we have for them? So for me, I just, I really feel like one of the primary components for success is you just have to have a love for the work. You really do. You got to, in my opinion, you just got to love project management because if you really despise it and it's not for you, you're not going to be successful at it. Forget about the theory, forget about the, the standardization processes and all the other things that we talk about. You really just have to enjoy managing people and managing projects and successfully executing. And so uh, that's that's something that, you know, early on and people sometimes look at me funny if I say, I, I, you know, I really like, I love project management. And people are like, you really, you really like this? <laughs> this is not yeah. like a stepping stone to some other sort of career you're trying to get to. And, I, and I'm like, uh, no, this, this is it. This is, I, I love it. I can see myself doing this. And so, um, uh, you know, it just, they, they look at me funny, but ev- everybody's got their different passions, but I think that's a, that's a essential element. Uh, you know, you can't be like a begrudging project manager where perhaps you started as an analyst and there was an opportunity to promote. So you took the job, but you really don't like it, hoping that you can transition out as fast as you can. Just, you got, you got to love it. Well, what are some of the characteristics that I might have? How would I know? If I've never done it before, how am I going to know that I'm going to love it? So I fell in love with the theory behind it, to be honest with you. I started to, uh, you know, try to manage some projects and 
I saw, I think, I think by accident, one of the PC techs had left a copy of Microsoft Project on my computer and I did, I was supposed to have it. And I opened it up one day and I was like, oh, this is really cool, man. We can put this stuff in here and run these reports. And I didn't know what successors and, you know, dependencies and things like that were. But then I started to kind of, it sparked my, my interest in it. And, and I, I moved from there. I think it'd be great if, especially, you know, medium to large size organizations actually maybe conducted some clinics on project management to say, hey, you know, uh, we're holding a clinic on project management. If you're even remotely interested, won't you come by and see what it's all about? Maybe you could be a successful project manager at our, at our organization. And if you don't want it and if you don't like it, Come and find out, see what it's all about. Because you're right, some people don't know. So that was my that was my experience. You know, I opened up MS Project, I started tinkering with it, and then I started studying theory, and then I fell in love with the work. Brian, what's your advice for the aspiring PM out there? Yeah, well, mine might be more generic uh, career advice, and it's fairly simple. It's got you got to come in open minded and adaptable, and you know you're coming into a career that is just starting. You don't know it all and you need to be really observant about what's going on around you and get to know as many people as possible from the lowest rung of the ladder, right, to the highest rung of the ladder and find identify the people who are doing it really well, who are getting results. Ask them if they'll be a mentor to you and Correct. chances are they, they will say yes because They've built the success on the shoulders of others and uh, they've learned from others. So they're going to give back. So I say you look for those people who are doing that. And that's going to, you know, it is getting as much exposure cross-functionally up and down the ladder and really hone in on those people who are delivering big results for the, for the company. And you're going to find out, you know, how to do this and you're going to find out where your passions are. And, uh, you know, I think uh, project managers, actually, uh, you know, the more formal uh, that discipline is in an organization, they're actually really good people to know because they know the people up and down the organization. They know who's Mm -hmm. delivering and they know who they want to work with. And they know, you know, if I get put on a project for this other, you know, person or or department, it's not going to go so well. And they're going to understand why. And you want to get really close to those people and, Mm -hmm. and get to know them. I know for me, I I was always drawn to the coach as opposed to the player, right? Or the director of the movie. I love movies and I, I, the director, I always wanted to know who was the director and what their style was. I didn't care about the actor or the conductor of an orchestra, right? So personally, right, for me, my driving force was I want to be where the action is. Projects have the visibility that Brian just talked about. Mm -hmm. They're the most important thing in the organization because an executive said, we're going to go do this. And when it's over, you're either going to fail or you're going to succeed and the organization to be better. I mean, how cool is that? I'm not in the day-to-day. I get to direct a movie, mm-hmm. figuratively speaking, every time we're going to do a project. And to me, that's what makes it so attractive to an aspiring project manager is if you want to go lead change and become a change agent in an organization, doing something that isn't mundane and day after day after day, man, project management's the place to be. Right. I just love it. And it's great to have like-minded people in the room, right? It makes it, uh, <laughs> right. makes it easy to talk about. So we're getting kind of close to wrapping up here. So maybe just one more question I have. Brian, we'll start with you on this one. From We, we talked a, a lot about execution and delivery, right? But how do you actually measure 
success on a project, right? How, how are you going to know that you've been successful? Yeah. So uh, historically, I've liked to see, you know, you, you, you called it a charter, uh, Miguel. I've called it a blueprint, uh, just some kind of document that represents the triple constraint. So, you know, scope, schedule, uh, and resources, what, what it is that you're going to uh, uh, deliver. I think getting really good about understanding up front what the project is, is uh, really important to, to getting better. And being able to articulate that clearly throughout the organization is really important. I then want to see at the conclusion of the project, how did we do? You know, that's all about, you know, really how well did we understand the work that we were going into? How well did we understand our team and its ability to actually deliver within the timeline and budget? And where we went sideways, why why did we do that? It's an introspection on, on that charter or blueprint uh, to better understand and measure success. And, and to me, measuring success... On a given project, it's pretty pretty clear. Okay, on time, on budget, and did we deliver deliver the committed value? That should always be there. But I, again, as I said earlier, I go for the long game. Are we getting better at managing these projects? Mm-hmm. Are we getting better at forecasting what it is? And, and, and I, I took great pride when I saw this happening in the organizations that I've worked in. When I saw team teams that understood and embraced that, when they embraced it, it was more about their, you know, they they saw it as as their own success that they were managing. So that's that's the that was success to me. Uh, so so for my my success factors really is just uh, what kind of value did we provide to the organization? I mean that's what it is. It, I mean you can have a project that was done on time and within budget and is an epic failure. Honestly, so so what what. I mean, how readily did those stakeholders, the end users, the people that are the recipients of whatever you're doing, how successful are they as a result of what you implemented? And so looking back at the value of the organization, uh, that's extremely important to me. Uh, That's how I measure the success of any project that I'm working on or any group of people that I'm working with. And and so um, and also, uh, uh, Brian, just talking about your to expanding on some of the things that you talked about as well. Looking back, doing proper lessons learned, let's look at where we failed. It doesn't matter how well it went. We didn't do well on something. You know, I've I've seen projects that, um, you know, they came in on time, but you had to file 15 different change requests in order for it to come on time. So that that's a problem. So technically you're on time, but you had to continue to manage all this change and disruption in order for you to be able to say that it was done on time. So so you know you kind of kind of look at the both sides of the coin there and really understand where what did we not do well? What did we do well? Take note of that and also communicate that to other project managers and say, "Hey, heads up. You know, I I was working on a project once where nobody this this one project uh the ceo was heavily involved but nobody really uh it wasn't identified as a possible risk so we're getting ready to go live and he vetoed the entire thing huh. you know and and i said did nobody identify that the ceo was this closely involved and he had power to veto the whole thing at the last minute Nobody said anything. And so as a result, we took that in our lessons learned. We communicated that to our other PMs. Hey, when you're working on these types of projects, the CEO is heavily involved. So you need to really stay in tight communication with him because if you don't, 
everything can go off the rails. So, so looking at those lessons learned, identify what we can do better, successfully publicizing those things out to your PMO saying, hey, these are the things, these are some pitfalls. All of you should be warned. And then just evolving and getting better at what we do. Well, it's been a great conversation. So Miguel and Brian, thank you so much for being on today. We talked a wide ranging list of topics from aspiring PMs up to some sophisticated project management theory. And we've learned a lot. Hopefully our listeners have learned a lot as well today. Miguel, is, uh, give you one last chance here to let our listeners know how they can contact you or understand more about what you have got going on over at the ACN. Sure. Uh, you know, they can contact me on LinkedIn. On LinkedIn, my aunt, I am under Miguel Tapasco, not Leonardo Tapasco. <laughs> and so, uh, of course, we got some great things going on at the Arizona Care Network. It's a it's a growing organization. Um, we're doing some really good population health management, helping to keep, uh, you know, the residents of Maricopa County healthy, helping them to understand their health better so that they can uh, live longer, successful lives. And so we're doing some, we've got, got a great mission over there. And so, uh, LinkedIn will probably be the easiest place. And so uh, I'm I'm there and uh, I share my experiences on there as well. And and uh, that's it. Great. Thanks for that being on. a quick hour. <laughs> yeah, it goes by fast. I love it. And Brian, how about you? How can uh, yeah. listeners get to know you or contact you? Yeah, uh, LinkedIn is probably the easiest. And the summary section is my email and uh, phone number. Uh, I'm on Twitter also uh, at underscore BPR underscore strange yeah. ID. But uh, <laughs> I, I was attached to my BPR, so I had to figure it out, right? So uh, uh, that's probably the best way. And uh, look forward to connecting with uh, with any of the real, your listeners and appreciate your having us on the show. Yes, It's been great. I just also want to thank our sponsors, PMO Squad First. They are 100% project management focused 100% of the time, providing leadership to set up project management best practices, a PMO, project management training, PM software selection, and support, and also project managers to run your key strategic initiatives. And of course, Talaya, our newest sponsor. Talaya has rapid implementation using common language. They integrate well with Microsoft Project, Jira, and others. It's easy to customize, will fit into your organization and give you the opportunity to make your first steps in the governance world following a PMBOK-based software approach, which is unique in the industry. To learn more about that and sign up for a free 30-day trial, visit www.talaya-openppm.com and Talaya is T-A-L-A-I-A. We will have Talaya and um, Tom Stokes from PMI Chandler as well as Workday in with us next episode on July 19th. That's it for now. Office hours are closed. Until next time, I'm Joe Puzz, PMO Joe. And you've been listening to Project Management Office Hours, our retrospective on project management lessons learned. 